Take the National Express When your life's in a mess It'll make you smile All human life is here From the feeble old dear To the screaming child Hello everyone and welcome to Callum and David's Any Requests, our Patreon requested podcast. Welcome back. Freundlich! Donnerstag. Is that German for think friendly it, Wednesday? I think it's German for happy Thursday. Oh, right. Okay. Um, but, uh, I, Donnerstag. Yeah. I, I got a D in CSE uh, German. So, so did I. You know, I might be wrong. I got a D as well. Although my oral examination was great because yeah. my teacher, Miss Mallander, there, if you're out there, um, stopped the recording of the tape halfway through <laughs> to tell me, to check that I was aware of what I was saying because Brilliant. I hadn't done any revision and she said what's your favorite film in german mm. and i said top gun which i'd never seen at that, that by 15 brilliant and um she said why and i said because tom cruise is hot but i said tom cruise is heiser scheiser which is slightly ruder yeah right. um and also yeah. not very complimentary to tom cruise no uh i think i thought i was being funny but um you know i did a lot i know yeah yeah my my german teacher just turned against me when i refused to go on the exchange i mean yeah just <laughs> wow really yeah well she was so passionate about loyalty. it and then i i didn't want to go and and she stopped giving me any help so um, we just started doing podcasts about um german lessons now yeah, if yeah. you've uh, not realized uh yeah. caught up with the change any listeners who haven't been with us for a while just just german <laughs> lessons that's what we talk about now <laughs> So, uh, yeah, this week um, is an exciting one. I think it's, uh, I'm sure any uh, any request fans out there will correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe this is our first any requests where there's been, like, no source material or, like, really, yeah. like, nothing to analyse or critique. Because even, uh, I suppose this shares the most similarity with maybe the, the Manson one in terms of being quite a, a wide-ranging yeah. subject. But even that, there was a book that we both kind of, honed in yeah. on and then worked out from that but this um adam uh has asked us to um do a bit of a travel episode yeah um, um he got in touch and basically said uh obviously with measures here in the uk starting to ease slightly um there is potentially um uh a, a likelihood that people may be able to get away at least to other parts of the uk mm. um before the end of the summer um and so he was saying it'd be great if you could do like a top 10 staycation kind of uh idea um just to kind of yeah and and also and, and really nicely he said um um one it would be really interesting but two um it could be a potential kind of uh, uh a bit of an adver- advertisement for any kind of uh uh uk businesses and things like that um yeah. in this difficult time so we'll we'll kind of put ad- as best we can because i think some of us have um uh, both of us have kind of gone for slightly wide-ranging things but as best we can we'll put links to any specific things we mention in the yeah, in that'd be the, really nice. Um, yeah, uh, description so you guys can uh, follow that and keep an eye on when things do lift um, and and when it seems to be safe to do so. You can go and check these places out. But it's nice for, you know, as you kind of have already nodded to, just think about how much we do have on our doorstep. Mm. Um, and I know that a few people are kind of going, actually, well, people still want to get away. Yeah. Um, and within reason, obviously, no, no one's going to the same place. You know, I think the yeah. Southwest is slightly worried and... But, you know, within reason, it's it's a great opportunity to explore what we do have. Uh, and there yeah. are so many amazing places that I've been to and I've forgotten about. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm certainly someone that's guilty of having the kind of mentality of um, 
of, of, of having a certain amount of complacency when it comes to places a little bit close to home whether that's mm. in the uk or certain i mean it's crazy that there are like uh, certain european cities i've never been to and yet yeah. you know i <laughs> spent four months in beijing and <laughs> lived yeah. in america and and traveled quite a lot wider than that so i always just think oh well that that's there all the time i'll be able to go and you know and, and yeah things like the global situation at the moment has made me kind of refocus and and so it was really nice to to have this opportunity to kind of yeah um, remind myself of really great places that i love um in the uk so this is totally subjective it's it's we're not saying these are objectively the best we're, I, we're all both talking from personal experience and and well at least i know i've only chosen places yeah, i've actually been much. to and have a connection to in some way and we thought you know uh, similar to uh, as, as our music any requests our intros and outros was, mm. you know subjective uh, we've chosen five places each uh, in the yeah. UK and uh, we've kind of thought of you know different kind of categories that they might fall under yeah um, so uh, to start off with um, we thought let's name our best restaurant we've ever been to yeah um, kind of starting small uh, before we get into the geographical places um, should I go first? Do you want yeah, to go first? No, absolutely. no you, you kick us off. Okay. Um, I Obviously, Dave and I mentioned a few times that we live in London. And I've tried not to be too London-centric. <laughs> but it is difficult because yeah. I've lived here since uh, I was 18 years old. Yeah. Um, and lived in lots of different parts of London. Um, but it wasn't until uh, just last year, um, winter just gone, 2019, that I got given a voucher um, as a Christmas present to go to a Michelin star restaurant. And I've never, it. ever eaten in a Michelin star restaurant. Right. Um, both you and I lo- quite love our food and, yeah. you know, we'll always watch the great British menu yeah. and uh, master chef, master yeah. chef, and always talking about kind of, you know, different, different food experiences. Um, and I have to say, I was really blown away. Um, the particular restaurant I'm going to talk about is a place called Shea Bruce. Um, and it's uh, actually in Wandsworth Common. Um, SW17 uh, to Bellevue Road, if you want to look it up. Um, and it's the uh, only, um, certainly the first, but I think it's still the only uh, Michelin star restaurant south of the river. Yeah, um, I, I only vaguely know of it, but I know it as it, it's famous for being like the best Michelin star restaurant that isn't like a celebrity, like. That's not a celebrity haunt. Like kind the of chef thing, yeah. has always been very conscious that he never goes on those programs we've just mentioned. He's never yeah. on Saturday Kitchen. He's never. It, it's 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 always been kept very kind of under the radar. But yeah, it, it's almost become famous for not being famous now. I think that's kind of almost the vibe that you get when you when you enter. Obviously, the service is incredibly uh, high standard, but it still feels like you're in someone's kind of posh front room. Um, very kind of relaxed, very attentive, but very relaxed um, service as you're greeted at the door. Um, and it was set up by Bruce Poole, who um, was a kind of Surrey-born um, Charterhouse um, student who just, instead of kind of going down quite a lot of the typical routes that his friends at Charterhouse, <laughs> as you can imagine, yeah. uh, you know, public school boys, um, went straight into Westminster College and did a culinary degree and, and entered the restaurant business that way and has really kind of worked himself up from the bottom rung of the kitchen, yeah. which I think is really nice. Um, the fact that it's, that, you know, it's named after the chef who started it all. And it's kind of European, French, modern European French fare mm-hmm. with the most incredible cheese board you've ever seen in your life. It's huge. Yeah. Um, the wine list is obviously incredible. Um, but it was just really s- simple, clever 
lovely food a little you know obviously lots of skill involved but it really it isn't pretentious and i think that mm-hmm. that vibe that you were talking about is why it's got the reputation but i just i thought i'd love to mention somewhere that is kind of really cool and unknown and yeah but actually this is a real little gem um in you know south london and i just had such a wonderful experience and uh and it, and it isn't although it is a michelin star restaurant it's not cheap it's also not on the same scale as quite mm-hmm. a lot of other places that you will have heard of that actually might not even be that good mm-hmm. so uh yeah I, I, that's kind of my best restaurant experience Fab. um although, although i would say if you if you're someone that it is a massive kind of uh, 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 food lover um, and wants to try that Michelin experience. Um, I would say if you if you find Michelin star restaurants and you look at their weekday lunch fixed mm-hmm. menus, I mean, no, it's not cheap, but it's probably far less than you imagine. Yeah. Um, like, I I very nearly for the, for for my restaurant chose. Um, uh, Marcus Waring's restaurant yeah. um, that uh, that I went to. Uh, was that the first Michelin star you've been to? No. Um, uh, I'd been to the uh, Royal Crescent restaurant uh, uh, yeah. um, before that. Um, but but it's, it, it's certainly it's the biggest kind of name chef that I've ever, yeah. ever had. Um, and and, it, and it, it, it is phenomenal. Um, and it was a phenomenal experience. Um, but I, I ended up going with something that's a little bit more of a a, a personal choice and it's more tied to experiences i've had there and things mm. like that um uh, as much as it is the brilliant food but but no i mean i mean that if i remember was something like around somewhere between 50 and 60 pounds yeah. and you got about seven courses yeah. um i mean if you look there are some mission you know i mean um uh jason atherton is a chef i i actually comes across as a terrible human but his food <laughs> yeah. always looks amazing um but you you look at jason atherton's restaurants and you're paying like i think it's the the something street kitchen i can't remember what it's called but it's uh it's like 300 quid or something like that for a tasting menu so yeah. you know someone like marcus waring and you could go to his his hotel restaurant in kensington um i think it's called mw maybe it's m something like that and yeah it's it's relatively reasonable for that kind of quality michelin star food um but no, the one the one I've decided to go for. Um, it's a little bit like when you know I I tell people you know my favorite films once put time in America, but my real favorite films The Matrix. But it's kind yeah. of one of those yeah. things where like yes, it probably is the best food I've ever had, but somewhere where I go back to again and again, somewhere where I've just never had bad food and it's a great atmosphere and it's also a brilliant concept. Um, and that's Pix. Yeah, that's a great show. Uh, I absolutely love Pix. So Pix, uh, P-I-X, um, uh, and it's a uh, Pintros restaurant. So Pintros is similar to tapas. Uh, it's a Spanish dish, well, specifically Basque. Um, yeah. This show you find it a lot in Barcelona. Um, and the difference is, it's much like tapas. It's kind of small dishes. Um, that you kind of have a few together as a meal. But uh, Pinchos is actually Spanish, I believe, for spike, uh, because Pinchos generally tends to be skewered. Food. Okay, yeah, makes um, sense. And, and what Picks have done is something very clever with this idea of it being skewed. So um, it's essentially a tapas buffet. Um, there's three of them in London, uh, and that's kind of it anywhere in the world. Uh, uh, you've got one on Neil Street in Covent Garden, you've got one on Bateman Street in Soho, and you've got Ganton Street uh, in Carnaby. Um, and... 
um, started out, I believe, mid to late 2000s. Um, actually, they opened in Notting Hill first. Oh. And it became quite a big thing in Notting Hill. Sienna Miller was there. Will I Am oh, wow. talked about it. Like, it was quite a haunt. And then, wow. yeah. Um, and then I'm not really sure why, but I, I tried to do more research, but there's not a great deal about them online. Um, but somewhere along the road, that one closed, and then they've got these three um, in in London, um, and all kind of yeah, Covent Garden Soho area. Um, and and another reason why I wanted to mention them is because these guys are going to struggle because mm-hmm. uh, I think you and I both have been to all three yeah. of their um, restaurants, and all three of them are, are pretty small. Yeah. Um, so they're going to be ones that are really going to struggle with the rules uh, come the fourth of July. So. They've got their ones that are really going to need help and support. So I really encourage you um, to go there. And yeah, as I say, the concept is, is it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's this tapas buffet. But basically, there's only two prices um, and it's worked out on the skewers. So you have all this food laid out on the bar, all different kinds of food. And you'll have smaller plates that have a small skewer in them and slightly bigger plates that have a, have a longer skewer. Um, and the smallest skewer, I believe, is two ninety five, uh, and the tallest skewer is three ninety five yeah. or three fifty, actually. I think. Um, and at the end of, and you just go up. You can have food. You can go back, grab some more plates, and then at the end, you just go up with your skewers. And they tot it. All and up they tot for it you. all up. And another thing I love about that is it's based on trust. Mm-hmm. Um, and because it's based on trust, it probably anyone it's almost going to make people less likely because you just feel like you're ripping someone off because they're being trusting of you exactly so it's actually yeah. probably that mentality i would like to think makes it less likely for people to you know pocket a few and yeah i, I mean i think they probably try and keep their eye on it but well um, maybe but then as you say i think i think we, we, you you took me there originally mm. um and we've been there quite a few times um but but I, the the atmosphere of the place feels like one of trust. Yeah. You know, sometimes the food is very fresh. It's turned yeah. over, so they only make a little bit of everything, and then they kind of keep making it throughout yeah. the day. But you don't feel like you're being checked on or what. You know, yeah. and and people just say, okay, great, that's what you've got, fantastic. Yeah. It's very very casual. It's a good place to chill out, actually. And yeah. I can't think of many places, certainly not in a city, certainly not in London, yeah. where it's a relaxing lunch time. Yeah that's it um and and you know um for me i'm a i'm a lifelong pescatarian never eaten meat so tapas generally for me is really good because they normally have loads of great veggie stuff and loads of great fish stuff um and uh yeah it's hands down the best calamari i've ever had is, is in mm. pigs um and they do these great little um uh goat's cheese and fig on bruschetta that really nice they do these amazing salt uh, salt cod croquettes that are incredible. I was going to say, actually, the ham and cheese croquettes were like the best croquettes I've ever had. As yeah, well. yeah. Um, just, yeah, just really good quality food. Um, and actually, Callum and I had an amazing experience in there once. Yeah. Um, it was very, very cool. Uh, it, we'd, we'd just seen a play um, in the West End and uh, obviously getting quite late. And for whatever reason, we hadn't we hadn't eaten beforehand, had we? No. Um, and... Um, um, we decided to we thought well, it's a bit too late to get any food now let's just have a have a, a glass of wine or something and and go home and we went and we sat in this picks and they said oh licensing you have to have something to eat mm-hmm. so we both kind of chose just like quite one small plate to have uh with our with our drink and then it was right at close and they just said 
okay, guys, look, all this food's going to go in the bin, so just help yourselves. And we ended up having the a run feast. of everything that was left. It was, it was us and I think a table of four people. Yeah. And we were the only people in, in the whole restaurant still. Um, And just, yeah, amazing. And apparently that's a thing they do quite regularly. So if you end up being there at sort of 10, 11 o'clock at night, um you'll you'll end up getting a really good deal yeah um and and because yeah like they said they, they don't want it to go to waste so and it's that's very very yeah very uh reflective of their general attitude you know yeah. um yeah always very very relaxed very friendly um it makes a difference you know i've also i've worked in a lot of service jobs and yes yeah. it can be hard to have a smiley attitude toward your patrons all the time um and unless you're the place you're working is is one of positivity and yeah. you know your 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 bosses you know looking after you so maybe they're they're all just exceptional um jobbing actors uh, yeah. but <laughs> yeah. but it certainly feels like you're being seen and 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 it's a human experience yeah yeah, yeah which is great yeah and and i mean it it's it's ostensibly a bar really it's sort of like a bistro bar kind mm. of vibe um and yeah they do great drinks and great cocktails and things like that as well um so yeah, very much. Uh, again, we'll make sure we put the uh, website and everything else in the description. But I really, really, um, if you're in London, uh, visiting or live here, um, when things start to reopen again, please go and go and check out Picks because um, yeah, it's just phenomenal food, great vibe, and really, really interesting concept. Great, love that. Oh yeah, long live, long live Picks. Let's go there when we can. Absolutely. Um, so the next one um, I've got is a little category of hidden gems. Mm. Now, I really, really struggled with this. Yeah. So I guess the idea behind this was that it, it's it's a place it's a place that isn't known massively as a tourist attraction or that you wouldn't kind of think of if you're visiting anywhere or isn't going to turn up on the first page of Google search of things to do, places yep. to go here. Right. Yeah. Um, I was thinking I was talking to someone the other day, actually, Um who uh, our friend Paul, who mm. um, has three children, and was struggling with places to take them. You know, yeah. what do you do when the sun is shining and you've got your kids for the weekend? You know, when yeah. you can't uh, travel anywhere. He said, but um, in a car safely, he took them to Nunhead Cemetery, um, oh. and the pictures from it looked incredible. So I haven't been there, so it's not one of my hidden gems. But I think really good one to shout yeah. out if you're in London. Uh, head out, head out to Nunhead. Oh, Nun, 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 Nunhead Village is stunning. Um, you and I were in a pub there once, and we saw David Haig. Oh um, yeah. But it's it's like this little village, kind of green, but yeah. it's it like nestled between Peckham and and Brockley. So yeah. you, no one really knows it's there. But it's yeah, Nunhead's a really cool little area. Isn't it also? Is it might not be Nunhead, mm. but um, oh, I shouldn't say this because it might be on your list. But didn't you visit a palace? Uh, around that area with um with our friend Shireen it is on my list and it's not in Nunhead okay, so we'll, get so to we'll talk about it in a bit <laughs> but it reminds just thinking of it okay so this hidden gem that I've chosen um uh, isn't as uh, cool as Nunhead Cemetery because I've never been there but it sounds cool um it's a place that again in London um I know those of you who aren't in London I don't know if any of you are listening outside of London but <laughs> uh, sorry that this one's a little bit London centric it's a place called the Boot and Flogger um, which I yeah. was introduced to when I was, oh, I don't know, 20. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was taken there by a friend who was kind of showing me uh, parts of different parts of London. And it was a really lovely kind of brilliant day. And we went to the Tate and did all this kind of stuff that when you work in London, you often don't take the time to do. And then we were at London Bridge area and walking by the river. And then we just took a left. And then my friend said, here we are. This is where we're going for lunch. And I mm. said, what? 
where? Like, where? He was like, yeah. there. He was like, well, there's nothing here. It's just some kind of residential houses. But actually, in between 10 and 20 Red Cross Way, uh, SE1 London Bridge, you will find the Boot and Flogger, which is this kind of almost secret kind of big door. You don't know it's there. You just have to kind of find it on your on your Google Maps or hopefully by accident in a more romantic mm-hmm. uh, uh, time. And you go in there and it just feels like something straight out of a Conan Doyle book. Or, <laughs> you know, it's got these big Chesterfield armchairs that are kind of trademark. Um, it, you, I'm never really sure where the bar was because it's ostensibly a bar. But mm-hmm. there isn't really a bar. There's just some there's people around and they'll ask you what you want and things will be kind of brought to you. But it feels like it's your own personal kind of old fashioned club. Mm-hmm. Um, and it may, it may, they make you know you feel really special, even as a kind of uh, straggy kind of student um, of twenty years old. I, I was made to feel really special. And I really, really enjoyed that, um, and I just had some lovely memories for it. And it was a complete and utter secret. Um, and I've since spoken to a couple of people, not many, mm. who have heard of it. Um, and you went um, with your yeah, friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me and some friends went there. Uh, again, would would taken that uh uh by a friend of mine Sam. everyone seems um, to be taken there you don't yeah. no one goes there without having been taken there by that's someone it. else that's it because it is you're, you're you're absolutely right in your description um you kind of walk past it because it looks like a kind of nondescript building you can barely see that it's a that it's a pub um or restaurant um and and you go in and it's just like this rabbit warren of different rooms and like there's parts that look like the old churchill war rooms and mm-hmm. there's parts that yeah um there's this lovely little courtyard that you wouldn't know was there, and oh yeah, it's inc- I loved it. I loved it there. Loved it, it. I it mean, really... we, we were there for hours. It was it's exa- and, and it's the type of place where you would make a glass of wine or a, yeah. you know, a, a drink last a long time. Yeah, because you don't feel it's not busy. Yeah, it's just it feels really something quite quaint and special. And I think if you maybe if you were on a date or something, you might want to take yeah. someone there. But it's a real nice secret part of London, and not yeah. many people. Uh, can say that so that that's my hidden gem yeah oh great choice great choice um there's also there's a fascinating um little bit of green space that's directly opposite it that's i can't remember who it's but it's 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 dedicated it's dedicated to a group of people that that lost their life i can't quite remember but but it's Mm. um yeah it's like a memorial gardens um and it's beautiful beautiful grounds i mean it's literally just just outside the front door of the boot and flogger um great yeah. i'll have a, I'll, I'll i'll check that see if we can get it in by the end yeah um great so moving on to my hidden gem go uh, for it which cam's already given a bit of a teaser about um because we haven't discussed this at all no. so i didn't want to step on your toes but no. I, I suddenly thought halfway through oh yeah. no i bet he's big <laughs> yeah so i think the reason why uh you were confused possibly uh is is the sound um so it's in Neesden. ah course, another which... n Completely different part of London. Uh, I mean, uh, that's where I do geography. Is if it yeah. sounds similar to somewhere else, maybe they're near, maybe they're yeah. close. Has that ever worked? No, no, no. no. Um, I'm, I'm waiting for it to eventually. <laughs> so, work. so yeah, so I, so it's it's North London. Um, I think NW10 is the uh, postcode. In fact, any of you that listen to the Jonathan Creek podcast, we were in Neesden in the last episode, uh, very briefly. Um, but it's it's and I apologise in advance to the pronunciation here, but it's called the BAPS Sri Swaminarayan Mandir, London. Um, it's a Hindu temple. Ah. Um, and I uh, came across it originally. Um, I heard about it. Um, I was reading this 
uh, timeout list, and it was called top ten places in London that you would think were in other countries. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, and and this was on there, and you can see why because it's I, I honestly, guys, go just Google. It's commonly known Neasden Temple. If you Google Neasden Temple, you'll see photos of it, and please do because your minds will be blown. The the, the, the amount of people I've shown, and they've gone. Shut up! That's not in London. Well, me, that's not me in included. Yeah, uh, I've not been there, but I, I saw the, some of the pictures David took. And I, yeah. I, I couldn't believe it. I yeah. could not believe it. It's 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 uh, it's just beautiful. It's beautiful. It's the largest Hindu temple outside of India anywhere in the world. Um, and uh, it took about three years to build. It was built between ninety two and ninety five. Um, uh, I mean, made it looks older than that. Yeah, it's made from Bulgarian limestone, so it's incredibly white. Um. And it's incredibly hard to find. Um, so we went there with our friend Shireen. And uh, me and her, were we took hours. It took hours and hours to actually find. Because it's like just off a bypass, down the road from an Ikea. It's totally <laughs> hidden. Um, but then when you do come across it, it's this huge, incredible palace. Hindu palace. Um, or, or temple, I should say. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, I'm I'm uh, not particularly religious uh at all um i wouldn't say i'm as staunch as being an atheist but i'm not a believer in anything either necessarily i'm agnostic uh but i've always appreciated um the uh aesthetic and the, the history and culture and and spirituality of a lot of religions mm. eastern religions especially um uh buddhism in particular i was fascinated with um in my teenage years um and and there's some incredible uh, aesthetics and and and, um, and and history and culture in, in Hinduism as well. Um, and this temple is is an, a, a real testament to that. And you can go in. Um, it's really cheap. It's like four quid or something for a ticket. Like it's so cheap. And you go in and you honestly feel like. I mean, I've never been to India, but I feel like I felt like I have now because of going there. Um, because you're just yeah, visually, it's like nothing you've ever seen in this country. Um, and and it's. Uh, very powerful um to be inside the actual temple itself um again i've experienced this a few times being someone that's not religious but still being in incredibly holy places and still feeling that yeah something of religion you know we, we went to a couple of temples when we were in beijing where i would say i felt the confucius temple i felt there was an energy there that was very kind of peaceful and very there was a particular Reverend. area of the, of the well, mm. the, yeah, the Confucius Temple, but surrounded mm. by a lot of other temples. But that particular courtyard, yeah. it felt really weighty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It felt history. Yeah, the weight of history. Um, and yeah, and uh, I uh, went to uh, when I was in Japan a few years ago. I went to uh, uh, a temple in Nara, um, which has got this huge, fifty foot, sixty foot Buddha in it. That's just unbelievable. And and that I felt very, yeah, kind of peaceful um uh despite not being a believer um and 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 this temple uh the neeson temple as well absolutely feel like that um and then in kind of their basement of the temple they've got this um they've got the incredible story of uh um uh bhagwan swaminarian uh who i think is one of the people that this particular branch of hinduism is based on uh, not Bhagavan Antle from Tiger King, if anyone was wondering, but, <laughs> but he's nicked that uh, from Hinduism I um, see. and called him that because um, I think it means holy or, or king or something right. like that. Um, and uh, uh, it's it's the story of this eleven-year-old boy who kind of goes off on these adventures and finds enlightenment, and essentially he's kind of I think the sort of 
yeah, uh, the spiritual kind of head of this uh, particular denomination of Hinduism. Oh. Um, and it's a fascinating story in about meeting a tiger and meeting women. And, and it's, it's beautiful, beautiful illustrations all around the walls of the basement. You kind of walk around and look and, yeah, it's, it's stunning. Um, and, and again, it's just one that is not, you know, seen on many tourist lists. But I was infinitely, infinitely more interested um, an afternoon spent here than, um, you know, when I've been to St. Paul's Cathedral or even Westminster Abbey or places <laughs> like that. Like, but I mean, that's my personal thing. I spent five years at Catholic school, so kind of Christian, <laughs> Christian Yeah, you become inured of, to it, don't you? You do a little bit, so maybe that's why I mean, I'm not being particularly fair. But, but uh, yeah, for me, it was infinitely more interesting and I do generally find um, Eastern cultures more, in, more interesting and more spiritual anyway. But uh, I, it's... Um, yeah, I, I just really, really highly recommend it. That's um, a great one. So yeah, so get yeah, it's the the Sri Swaminarayan Mandir, London, um, somewhere yeah. off a bypass down the road from an IKEA. Yeah, I just love that as well. That little exactly. bit of detail yeah. of yeah. smack bang in um, kind of uh, modern urban Britain. Also, a couple of little facts. It was the largest. It's in the Guinness Book of Records for being the largest ever concrete pour when Ooh. it was uh, built. Uh, Four thousand five hundred tons of <laughs> concrete to build. Um, and and the builder was called Pramukh Swami, and he was ninety two years old. Right. I mean, there's, it's incredible. I mean that. Yeah. I'm. I'm. I mean, I'm sure there's some kind of health and safety issue. There. <laughs> yeah, you'd think, wouldn't you? You know, in the name of spirituality, you can do a lot. And, yeah. Yeah. Ninety. Um, oh, but yeah, God. it's it. Yeah, it's beautiful. So yeah. Very much recommend. It's really nice. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I, I can't. I really need to go there after, mm. <laughs> after that. Um, just I, I remembered the name um, and looked it up. Uh, of Crossbone Gardens. Crossbone Gardens. Is there what you go. you're thinking about, and it's um, yeah, there is. There's a gate which is yeah. um, in kind of honour of. It was a medieval medieval pauper's burial ground. That's it. Yeah. Um, which is quite cool. That's just mm. uh, yeah, in London Bridge across the road from the Boot and Flogger. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Um, now, the next place um, on my list, uh, we thought we'd pick uh, best place in the UK. Yeah, excluding um, London. It's taking <laughs> us out of London we've been for a bit. bit. London centric, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, again, I, I have lots of honourable mentions for this. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I mean, you and I are lucky to have spent quite a lot of time in Bath. Mm-hmm. Um, well, where I, I grew up there. You so grew up I there. Spent I've spent about 20 years of my life there. Since kind of worked there quite a bit. I also grew up very near Oxford. Um, I adore Brighton um, and that kind of side of the coast. Um, uh, Torquay, I nearly talked about because <laughs> I just, I, I weirdly have spent quite a lot of time in Torquay because, while well, on the subject of spirituality, yeah. some of you might not be aware that I was an evangelical Christian. Um, <laughs> From the ages of thirteen to sixteen, um, I still don't believe it. And if you, there's a festival called Easter People, which some of you might know about, um, which is held in Torquay each year um, it, around Easter time, and the weather was always great on the English Riviera. And every single kind of public building, whether it was a sports hall, a gymnasium, a church, a school, would be turned into some form of worship space and you mm-hmm. could see all these kind of amazing Christian rock bands or some not so amazing <laughs> Christian rock bands. Um, and so I, I know it quite well. And then I didn't go there for ages uh, when I kind of moved away from my faith. But I went there again with my uh, girlfriend uh, just this year after Christmas and I just adored it. It was just, I forgot how stunning it is, mm. how many different little nooks and crannies of art to, survive, uh, to, 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 to find. But anyway, 
didn't make the cut because above all those places, I think my favourite city um, is Edinburgh City. Edinburgh is one of my favourite cities that I've ever been to in the UK. Mm-hmm. And I'm not just saying as a theatre person because I can hear some of you going, oh yeah, well, the Fringe. Well, actually, I went there first, not at the Fringe. Um, I was touring with a theatre show, <laughs> but it was it was in wintertime. Um, we were at the Festival Theatre. And I just adored that whole week felt like it lasted forever because every single day on tour, you're always trying f- to find something to do in what city you're in, um, other, especially other than drink, um, which I did an awful lot of, uh, and especially in Edinburgh. But mm-hmm. um, I, it had so much to do. Um, you've got the Jazz Bar, which is still my favourite kind of late night venue in the country that I've ever found. It's super affordable. The musicianship is top quality and the service is lovely. Again, especially if it's not during the festival where it's still quite quiet. Um, Black Medicine, everyone talks about it. It is a really lovely place to go and sit and have coffee and and read. Um, You've got so many theatres there. Um, You've also got Arthur's Seat. And also one of the reasons why I picked it is because Edinburgh is a a very much a city city, which is, for me, Mm -hmm. what I want. Um, But 20 minutes drive, you're smack bang in the middle of the Scottish countryside. Um, And it reminds a lot of like the countryside around Edinburgh is as wild as like the Isle of Bute, which is mm-hmm. where my dad grew up and I've spent a lot of time there and I, that would be a great getaway if you wanted something. But that's very rural. For me, I love a city that has real stone culture, poetry readings, theatre, yeah. bars, cafes, restaurants, but also that feeling that you're not being smothered by it. Mm-hmm. And I think Edinburgh does that so well. Um, of course, obviously, you do have the world's largest uh, arts festival yeah. um, ever to have been, you know, yeah. been made. Uh, and, and, and Edinburgh, uh, during the festival, is also a very magical place. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that you and I have got some some great memories there. Yeah. Um, now, is it also on your... Yeah, that's, that's why I'm being very quiet. That's why I'm being very quiet, because my best place in the UK is Edinburgh. Oh, um, man. <laughs> but I, I am specifically looking at it during the fringe because i've never been there when it has okay well that's nice that's a nice balance then because i've only been to the fringe uh twice yeah and uh the other times that i've been there have been outside of the fringe so all of those things i've mentioned are very much things that are there all year round yeah um so yeah so i've been to edinburgh every year since 2011 the fringe nine years nine years um uh and Two of those, the nine I've been up there producing shows. Um, the other times I've been up as an audience member. Um, and yeah, for me, it's, it's I t- t- say to everyone, it's like, it's Disneyland for theatre fans. <laughs> Which I think um, is the best phrase ever. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, I mean, to put it into perspective for those of you that might not have gone up during the Fringe. Um, last year, you had 3,848 shows in 317 venues. I mean... Um, and there were 3,012,490 tickets sold. Wow. Um, yeah, every year the Edinburgh Fringe Festival um, is... Well, I mean, overall in its history, Edinburgh Fringe Festival is, is the, the third um, most attended event. It's only the Olympics and the World Cup that beats it. Wow. Uh, globally, yeah. Um, wow. So yeah, it is. It's absolutely incredible. Um, and it's one of those things that you really can't get into your head until you've been up there. I mean, it is the whole city yeah. is taken over by by theatres, any kind of space. Um, my personal favourite, I never actually saw this show, I just saw it on a flyer um, uh, years ago when I was up there, was there was actually a, a play being done at the in the back room of a Phones For You shop. <laughs> <laughs> Great. <laughs> I just loved. Um, but there's there's lots of that, you know, any every single pub, 
that there w- there is not a pub in Edinburgh that doesn't have yeah. um, a, uh, some kind of space converted to a theatre in it during the uh, month of Edinburgh. Every single university building, that's where you kind of have your main spaces, what they call the big four, um, uh, uh, or also known as the super venues. And those are uh, Pleasance, Gilded Balloon, Assembly, and Underbelly. Um, and uh, they kind of sprung up in the sort of 80s, early 90s. Um, and they're kind of called super venues because they house theatres within those venues. So you've got Pleasant's Courtyard, for example, has about eight, nine different spaces within it. And it's like this hub and it creates these different hub areas and they all have their own identity, their own atmosphere and feel to them when you go there. Um, and the amazing thing about the Edinburgh Festival, and it's something that's been at the core of kind of contention and controversy for its whole life is, is because it's completely... Um, essentially some venues differ on this but overall Edinburgh is completely open access in terms of the quality and the style and everything that you're putting on Um, which obviously yeah there's a lot of people that deride that and say that it means you get a lot of bad stuff going up there but then obviously other people uh, myself included think it's a great thing because it's completely open access and it's a complete potluck of what you're going to see I mean some of the most surreal things in my life you know I've, I've seen in edinburgh and the majority of the best pieces of theater in my life i've seen at the fringe as well i was gonna um, say not just uh, surreal theater but just surreal things i've ever seen th- in my yeah. life have taken place yeah. during the festival yeah. <laughs> yeah um and and so yeah like for those of you it started in 1947 um as an alternative to the edinburgh international festival and it was originally eight theater companies that turned up uh, and just pitched up on the outskirts and did these shows because they were kind of protesting not being included um, in the Edinburgh International Festival, which was set up in '47 as a kind of... It was billed as it was kind of healing the divides of Europe from the end of this, because we're only two years on from the end of World War II. Oh, okay, yeah. So it was, it was about bringing other European countries over to Scotland together and kind of, yeah, unifying and celebrating through the arts. Um uh, so yeah a great thing but nonetheless there are these few companies that that wanted to be part of it and that couldn't so set up and then year on year that grew um and then i think by the time you get to sort of the 60s mid to late 60s it's like 10 times the size of the eif and now i mean it's hundreds and hundreds of times the size yeah um, i mean Edinburgh international festival now i mean maybe has about 12 to 15 different shows um <laughs> and yeah you're going up against uh nearly 4 000 at for the Edinburgh Fringe. So yeah. you kind of go, what's the fringe of what now? Which is really, yeah. really interesting. Um, uh, obviously, yeah, it's, and as time has gone forward, it's kind of shifted its focus from theatre to comedy. And now it's kind of, you know, the the place for a stand-up comedian to really kind of mm. make their name. Um, and now comedy does, in terms of programming, comedy does outweigh theatre. I think uh, about 10 years ago, that kind of shifted. Um, but still, you know, yeah, thousands of theatre companies up there um, making... Uh, incredible work and being able to make work for the sake of making work rather than for trying to get bums on seats because everyone knows no it doesn't really matter what you make in edinburgh you're all kind of in the same boat in terms of it's a gamble of how many people you can get in um you know the average edinburgh audience size is three and a half people <laughs> um uh, and that's that's a genuine uh, average um so People you are only there to... because they, or you know, should be there. I suppose yeah. only because they want to make what they've made and they want to yeah. to, to put it out to um, to the festivals yeah. and to that as a trade fair, I suppose. Uh, but also because you're not likely to make exactly, money. Exactly. Yeah. Everyone's doing it for the reason that they yeah. want to do it. Yeah. In the first um, place. And, I suppose um, there's something beautiful in that. Yeah, and and 
big thank you uh, to uh, um, Nicola Sturgeon and the Scottish Government for just, I think, two days ago it was announced they're giving uh, a million and a quarter to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival because they were saying they're going to have about a million pound deficit for not running this year. And mm. they were talking about, you know, like they could be insolvent if they weren't helped um yeah that's and, a, that's uh, a and big one. scottish government have turned around and, and yeah giving them over, over a million quid to to tide them over so and make like sure a, next a, year comes back with a bang is what they're saying a government so. actually recognizing the financial place of the arts, the arts isn't in, it amazing isn't that phenomenal wouldn't it be lovely to have that um, barely imagine it <laughs> come on Dowden. um <laughs> but uh yeah so it's um just I, I i'd say if you go up um you're going to be one of a, a few different types of people in the way you want to kind of engage with it. I don't think there's any wrong way. I'm very much the type of person that meticulously yeah. plans. and But that's part of the love for it for me. I mean, the most one of the most exciting times of the year for me is when the Fringe brochures announced. Right. And um, it comes up online and you see 3,000 shows and I scroll through and I get my little Excel spreadsheet and I look yeah. at the timings and I look at... Um, there was one year where I made a plan and I'd even worked out the walking distances from each place and when I we mean, could get lunch. I mean, I, I love it. I love it because I want to try and see the most. Um, my record, and I should never have done this because I was falling asleep in the theatre by the end of it, but my record is 11 shows in one day. Yeah. Um, uh, which I'm particularly proud of. And it was like starting at eight in the morning and finishing at about two in the morning um, in one day. But uh, I just wanted to do it to see if I could and... Yeah, uh, that was intense. Um, but I, I, I recommend four or five shows. Because yeah. the other thing about Edinburgh is no show really goes longer than an hour because you're having to program so many in. Okay, I was going to say, I was going to put you on the spot, but you're starting mm. to do it anyway. Mm. So if you could, if you could, what are your three rules? If you, mm. if you could kind of boil it down yeah. to someone going to Edinburgh for the first time, what were your three pieces of advice? Okay. I suppose maybe um, the first one might be four yeah, or five um, shows. Or... Yeah. Yeah, my first piece of advice would be, yeah, I think for your first time, don't overdo it because so much of the enjoyment of Edinburgh is in just socialising and meeting people. And, um, you know, if you've got a lucky year, it's difficult in Edinburgh, but you might get some nice sunshine and yeah. enjoy those hubs and enjoy the vibe and the atmosphere and enjoy the Royal Mile and talk to the flyers and get that kind of um, vibe of it. So don't pack your day with seeing shows. So yeah, I would say four to five shows a day um i'd recommend going up for a long weekend normally about four days is what i do mm -hmm. um if you can hack it the the, the night mega bus is like 30 quid uh total and and it's a what fraction it, of the train price isn't it and that? what it means is it gives you extra it, it means you're not having to pay for an extra night of the hotel so what i do normally um uh although as i get older i a couple of years ago i chickened out and got the very nice sleeper coach back which <laughs> was uh, not that cheap although not as expensive as you might think but it was so worth it it was amazing um but but yeah generally what i do is i get the night mega bus up you get there at about 6 a.m say on uh i normally do it during the week rather than a weekend because it's a little bit quieter um and you've got more chance of getting tickets for shows and they're slightly cheaper as well um so i normally get there on like about 6 a.m on a monday morning go and get some breakfast somewhere always go to this little coffee place that's by the side of surgeon's hall it's just next door to the right little small coffee place just opposite um opposite the theater you were in mm -hmm. uh, when you were doing up there yeah the festival um uh wait until uh wherever i'm staying uh is, is doing check-in check-in there and then yeah and then 
three nights and then I go on the, the end of the fourth day, I get another night one back. So you get your four full days there. Um, and I'd say you want to do 12 to 15 shows in that time. Um, my second... I think uh, you and I did that. Mm, and uh, I think we did, That yeah. exact kind of model. Yeah. Um, and we, I think we did 20 shows, I think. I like think that. we did, yeah. I think we pushed it to about five or six a day. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that was, that was great. Um, I would say... Um, as I because I go so many times I meticulously plan it out because I know there are specific theatre companies I love their work every year and things like that Yeah. as a first time going up there I would actually say don't I'd say half and half I'd say look pick a few things that you really want to see but then allow yourself to be flyered allow yourself to go and, and allow yourself to wander into stuff because some of the best things I have seen over the years have been gambles I've made Um. I mean my, my second favourite show uh of of this year just gone at edinburgh um was uh jekyll and hyde by a slightly isolated dog and you and mm. i went to go and you and i went into that completely no idea whether it was going to be completely cold it yeah. was it was the same kind of venue company that i was producing uh for so we got free passes into it so it, you know it was a complete gamble complete nothing to lose and and it was just um yeah uh, Oh, um, innovative, original, incredible. Uh, if you can follow them on uh, Instagram, actually, it's like yeah. slightly isolated um, right now. You can get a little idea of mm. um, who they are and what they do. Um, and they're a wonderful New Zealand company, and they're currently uh, putting together ideas for a, a new version of Romeo and Juliet, which I would oh, amazing. adore. Amazing. To I mean, I, I'm not, I don't race to see that show. Yeah. I've seen it enough times. Yeah. But I would their version. I, I think they could pretty much say anything on their poster. I would go and see it because of that yeah, show. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, agreed. Yeah. And then I guess that brings me to one my third and final tip, which would be, don't go and see shows you know. I would actually go so don't see plays that have ex like pre-existing texts like don't go, go up, stuff don't go up and see rent because there'll be about five different productions of rent uh and just don't it's you don't need to you don't need to go and see that you can yeah. see that anywhere by any amdram group or any regional touring thing like go and see new work go and see new companies get out of your comfort zone see experimental stuff um and yeah cause you never know you might like it really nice yeah. good oh i enjoyed that Nice little trip down memory lane, oh, but how uh, that's quite hilarious that, that we, we both chose the same one. Both yeah. got the same one, yeah. um, but for slightly different reasons. Um, yeah, that's good. Uh, so looking at my next, um, is the best I'm, place in London. I'm terrified we've gone for the same I thing again. I think we, I think we might have done. Okay, now. Yes. Okay. Um, so my best place in London, mm -hmm. I've picked like a region, uh, yeah. like a part of London, um, and it's Soho for me okay no we've not gone with the same thing okay that's good so soho for me again i've I lived in lots of different parts of uh, east london leytonstone uh sidcup down towards officially inside kent so really far yeah uh, out um now we live in crystal palace um uh, gypsy hill but i i, th I think the, the most special part of coming into london and i suppose as well i remember as a student coming in at charing cross and I would always go, where would I go straight away, David? Go to... I end up on the strand. strand. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because I'd always find myself, if I amble around London without thinking about where I'm going, I end yeah. up in Soho. Yeah. Um, I always kind of strand, cut through Covent Garden. And you. every single time I go there, I go to a different coffee shop, a different, like, 
graphic novel shop. I don't mm-hmm. even like graphic novels. I just find them really cool to go <laughs> in there. I mean, I don't mind them, but it's not like I, I know what I'm doing, but it's just yeah. the best place to get lost in and to discover something else. Um, you and I also uh, were quite big fans of the Boulevard Theatre, mm. which has just opened up there um, in return for Raymond's Review Bar. But they've still got the sign of Raymond's Review Bar. Yeah. And I think one of the main reasons I love so is that there's a real history of London there. Yeah. We all kind of have to accept that London's a forever changing, forever modernising place. It, mm-hmm. it, where as soon as something is crushed by the expense or the economy or the or whatever, something else comes up. But Soho has a real wonderful history that is diverse. Um, and, and there's an edge of danger to it, which I think always reminds us um, that that interesting stuff happens in between the alleyways, right? Yeah. And that's what Soho is about to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm reminded of when you and I went to the Soho to see um, Martin Jake's... Um, it was a Tiger Lilies uh, yeah. do their kind of concept album on Soho. Mm-hmm. And yes, there was a lot of songs about sex work and, and heroin. Yeah. Um, and there was a lot of humour with that, but also such a great deal love of yeah. that. Um, w- w- the wonderful thing of humanity kind of... When darkness comes, um, humans create amazing things. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why I'm always drawn to the arts, but also why I'm particularly drawn to Soho as an area geographically. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Of course, there's always a really cool bar to go in. Always yeah. some live music to find. You've now got enough, quite a few different uh, spaces to go and see live theatre in there, and uh, restaurants as well. You know, picks exactly the type of place yeah. you might end up after a cabaret night. Uh, yeah. So yeah, uh, that I think I think that's my area of London that I that I adore. That's great. I mean, yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, I, I, you're a big fan of Soho. Oh, too. I love Soho. I, 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 yeah. I mean, it's one of the things I love about it is Soho is probably. The part of London, you know, excluding where we live now, that I've spent more time in than anywhere else, right? Like you, it's, it's, you just, I think anyone in the arts has this homing beacon that mm-hmm. you end up going to Soho because that is the kind of home of, of artists in London, you know, uh, theatre artists especially. There's um, a feel, there's a sense of belonging there, I think, yeah, for anyone who's. Yeah. Um, and one of the things I love about it is, is, is this, even though that's the case, I never know what street I'm on because the mm. way that Soho's designed is it's almost like that American grid system. Like it's like five five roads going vertically and five roads going horizontally that are all straight lines. So you're never quite sure if you're on Dean Street, if you're on Beak Street, if you're on Barrick Street. If you're, I was you know, say it's... whenever I'm whenever I'm on Barrick Street, yeah, I'm I always if I'm gambling, I suddenly find that I'm on on Dean Street and I'm like, yeah. how how did I do? Yeah. What? Yeah. How did this? You never seat... quite. It turned into it's another. It's never possible to really learn the geography of Soho, yeah. and that's one of the things I love about it. Is you get lost in it. You get yeah. lost in this place, and you know, for me, it's been, it's just it, so many of my, so much of my adult life is is underpinned by that place. Um, you know, the fact that um, go when when we were at, at drama school, you know, um, late teens, early twenties, going to uh, uh, moonlighting. Yeah. Um, um, club and and now you know being thirty two, I'm I'm a member of uh, the House of St Barnabas, which is yeah. on the same street, five doors up, and I've gone from this really grotty nightclub to this lovely yeah. members members bar, and and all of that life is all on one street. And so yeah, for, yeah, Soho's. A I big... have a memory of going to Madame Jojo's, me, yeah, uh, which I don't believe is there anymore. No, um, no, it's gone. No. And G I Y. 
GOI late, actually. Yeah. Um, it was a big one, you know, as a student and being introduced to all these wonderful things there. Yeah. And yeah, you could you could pinpoint a lot of my com- coming of age story, I think. In yeah, absolutely. Make of that what you will. <laughs> um, what's before we go on to your yeah. favourite place in London? Um, your knowledge of this is excellent, so I'll let you explain. But a lot of people think Soho in New York and Soho in London are yeah. named for the same reason, and yeah. they're not. No. And I would like so, you to just fill us in on that. So Soho in New York is... I can't, I can't remember what the abbreviation is, but it's South something. It's yeah. like South Hockney or South Holborn or something like that. Um, whereas Soho in London, as I think a lot of people know... Um, is it's it's named after south of houston south of houston there you go yeah uh, or south of houston street south of houston street soho yeah because you've got a no home as well in new york which is north of houston street. Yeah, well, that's um expensive. and uh soho in london is because it's the hunting cry because soho used to be henry the eighth's one of the ground hunting grounds that right henry the eighth used to hunt in so he's, soho would be the, the the hunting cry so that's why it's called Soho, which i just love yeah, yeah. and uh, there's also uh soho in hong kong mm. which is uh short for south of hollywood road <laughs> um soho also short for small office home office yeah and also short for solar and heliospheric observatory <laughs> well there you go <laughs> so but i suppose actually thinking about it soho is almost directly south of holborn so there could be an argument that maybe it's maybe that it was as well, that as well. You never know. You never know. Um, but yeah, great choice. Great. Um, so yeah, so I like you have gone for a kind of area okay, of good. London, um, and it's yeah, it's an area that captured my heart at a very uh, early age of coming here. Um, uh, I've been I've lived in London since I was twenty when I first uh, arrived at drama school. It was one of the first places outside of of uh sid cup as you say which is basically kent border um that i really experienced in 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 london living here as an adult um my sister used to live in in north london so i used to come here quite a lot as a kid mm. um but in terms of actually living here and experiencing being a londoner this area was was one um and it's greenwich uh, yeah and i i have always been in love with greenwich and i i always will be it's probably my favorite area in the whole of london um uh, I for the last four or five years, um, as a sort of side hustle, uh, I've done quite a fair bit of tour guiding, um, and I always get asked. Um, generally, I do day trips. I do kind of Bath and Stonehenge and Windsor out that kind of thing. Um, and I'm and I'm asked a lot uh, uh, by clients um, to recommend places to go, and I always say Greenwich because so many tourists don't bother because they look at it and and to them they think zone two is like really far away and yeah I'm like, honestly it's a five minute train from london bridge that's it it's five minutes it's the next stop like it's so easy to get to you've got that you can get that on the dlr and get a bus that like it's 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 so accessible um and i think it's the most beautiful park uh in london um it's got it's my favorite I would view agree. It's my favourite view in the whole of London. Is about halfway up Greenwich Park. There's a bench on a hill, and you can just see the whole of like it's the most phenomenal view. Um, I think it's been used in quite a few films because it is just so picture perfect. Um, but there's also so many things to do in a day. Um, you've got the old Royal Naval College, um, which is uh, Christopher Wren designed, built in 1692. Um, originally for disabled sailors um it was a naval hospital uh, and then it became a teaching college which is why it's known as old royal naval college now um and they've got a building in there called the painted hall um which is a, a ceiling mural 
uh, done by a guy called James Thornhill in 1789. And it is... I would say the closest thing we have in the whole of the UK to the Sistine Chapel um, wow. it is that kind of impact. When if you've if you've been to Rome and been in the Sistine Chapel, it's that same kind of impact when you go into the painted hall and it's just this entire vast ceiling, the most intricate, beautiful uh, painting on across the whole ceiling. Um, it's phenomenal. Uh, it's been um, out of commission. They're, they're they're doing a rest huge restoration project on it, so I'm not quite sure when everything does get open, if this will be open or if that uh, project uh, is happening or not happening. Um, it's just Michael Palin's son that's leading it, Will Palin. That's um, an odd thing to yeah, be true a... and also for you to know. Yeah, <laughs> um, as well, I, I um, uh, for about a week, worked for the old Royal Naval College and then decided I didn't want to do the job, so I left. Okay, um, why, why do I not know that? Yeah. Oh, no, I do. do. I do know that. You do know that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, Will Will Palin, um, yeah, lovely guy. Um, but uh, you've also got the Cutty Sark, which is yeah, um, amazing. Uh, it's it's an old uh, trading uh, ship um, uh, clipper um, uh, built in eighteen sixty nine. Uh, it was used to trade wool from Australia, um, and uh, and has been stationary as this kind of yeah uh, sort of museum ship. Um, it's, sadly, it's been really unluckily caught on fire like three times um it's not great luck, no yeah. it keeps catching on fire so i think they've sorted out and it's sort of yeah it's kind of raised now and it's on top of a kind of glass case yeah. that you go um but it's, it's quite it's, a small ship isn't it? it is quite a small but ship it's so old and it's really cool um uh i was in talks a while back to do some theater there because they've opened up a a, a sort of th- little theater space in the cutty sark which great. is really cool cool little space um so yeah really that's really cool obviously you've got um the greenwich meridian line um so essentially all time in the world is counted from greenwich that's what we say gmt incredible um, yeah greenwich, and, yeah. It, and it's all to do with the fact that you know uh, back when that was decided um you know uh navy and sailing and, and shipping was kind of the big thing that drove the world's yeah. economy at that time and the meridian line was kind of the straightest line around the world in terms of sailing and things like that so that's yeah why it was um kind of counted um from there um so uh that's quite a cool thing and you've got the actual line where the greenwich meridian line is and it denotes it um which is really cool it's also known as the prime meridian um I think it's also known as universal, universal central time, universal basic time, something like that as well. That's what people call it elsewhere around the world. Obviously, we call it GMT. Um, and that's by the Royal Observatory. Um, so yeah. you've got like a, a, a an observatory which has a planetarium as well. Um, like honestly, like especially if you like a family and you've got young kids and stuff, like there's so much to do. Um, the Maritime Museum, which has great little exhibits. They often do immersive stuff they've had um, stuff with punch drunk there my granny used to take me there um Mm. again i grew up uh, near oxford too as i say my my granny used to live in wembley and Mm. um she uh when i she would look after me for like summer holidays or half term or whatever and she would take me to to greenwich so i've been to the cutty sark quite a few times yeah because i think she forgot that she'd taken me out already (laughs) um and i have a piece of wood from the cutty sark as well which i don't believe is actually from the because i think if (laughs) if it gets quite a small ship i think it'd go quite quickly yeah if yeah. you sold it all off um but also i i used to work at the old uh, old brewery which is yeah, a bar inside the um the royal naval college yeah and they had a beer there called hospital porter which was based on an old recipe that they used to give the patients there mm. because they thought it was cleaner drinking the 
alcoholized water rather than drinking the Thames. You couldn't give water from, to, from the Thames <laughs> to sick people. Um, so you can still get that. But I remember vividly being introduced to kind of the Greenwich nightlife. Mm. And um, you'd have Oliver's Jazz Bar, which is yeah. fantastic. Jules Holland's got his studio there, mm. um, which means he and he plays and his big band plays the uh, the concert every summer. Yeah. Um, in uh, I think it's actually a BST uh, date now yeah. but it's um on on the on, on the thames in that lovely park um and then if you're ever stuck for a late night drink go to desperados but <laughs> don't expect to be doing anything the next morning yeah 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 um, desperados is fab but um, uh, yeah we've had a lot of fun in greenwich yeah so much fun and yeah be- beautiful views over the thames you've got um just, uh, the market greenwich market is great um it's I believe it's the only mar- uh, market in the uk that's housed within a grade one listed uh area Gosh, um, yeah. um and, uh, and it's, it's surrounded by pubs yeah yeah um <laughs> and it's really cool loads of really cool food they're great polish uh pierogies that you get in one of the stalls they're amazing have them every time um um really great little ch- uh, chinese um uh stall there as well um great little chinese takeaway food that you get from there yeah, really good um uh market uh one of my favorites it's not the size of borough or or any of the kind of more famous markets but it's just a really quaint kind of vibe to it um Mm. and it's just beautiful the architecture of the houses and everything it just doesn't feel like anywhere else in london there are so many other parts of london that you don't it could be anywhere in london but greenwich is is so unique in its architecture as an area um and and so instantly recognizable i yeah i just think it's yeah it's it's beautiful okay greenwich Soho, we have been quite London centric. Now, for a wild card, have you stayed in London? No, you've gone out of London. Mm-hmm. Okay, because I had two options. Yeah, one of which I've already mentioned, which is the Isle of Bute, which mm. is where um, my dad grew up on the west coast of Scotland. It's a kind of a tiny island, um, uh, a, a city of Ross, the town of Rothsey is on it. Um, it doesn't even have a hospital. You have to kind of get a, a ferry to the mainland, uh, and I would say. In terms of like a, a British escape, mm-hmm. get north of the border into Scotland uh, if you can. It's just gorgeous. But in terms of where staycations and the idea of holidays, mm. I thought I'd be a bit cheeky here. And I'm actually going to talk about Crystal Palace. Okay. Because Crystal Palace, again, yes, it's in London. But for a long time, uh, especially during the Victorian era, it was the number one holiday destination for anyone living in the city of London or in the in in kind of yeah. what we now think as W1. Um, you know, it's a real central um, because it took quite a while to get out of horse and carriage. It was yeah. considered a destination, but also uh, it's a- above um, one of the highest places in, in yeah. the city. So, um, you know, we, we now live in Crystal Palace and, you, you know, you can see the shard on a clear day, yeah. you know, coming through the clouds um and people thought that the 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 airs were really really good for you to take (laughs) so if you were during the black death for example uh, you know um, another pandemic why not keep on the theme um people would come and take trips out to crystal palace and they would also they thought the beulah spa the natural springs Mm -hmm. that we have up here uh, meant for really clean water so of course people it would, wouldn't have been called Crystal Palace back. <laughs> no, it well it would have been Upper Norwood. Um, yeah. But but then in the uh, obviously it became Crystal Palace yeah. um, because of the building of the Crystal Palace, huge glass um, 
kind of structure. It's yeah. almost like a cathedral made out yeah. of glass. Um, built for yours and I, mine's favourite subject ever, the World's, World's Fair. Fair. Yeah, yeah. A- 1851 World's Fair in Hyde Park, uh, which was Prince Albert's kind of uh, idea, Queen Victoria's husband. Um, yeah, and it lasted in Hyde Park for about six months and then they had to... Uh, obviously, because Hyde Park's like the most famous, biggest park in London, they were like, can't be here forever. Um, so yeah, they moved. They were looking for places to move it, and uh, uh, Penge Park, as it was known back then, now Crystal Palace Park, ah, was how uh, the tables have turned for yes. poor old Penge. <laughs> was the uh, was the largest kind of flat expanse of parkland anywhere in London at that time. Um, so it was the only place they could move it to. Um, and I believe it was here until I want to say 1932, 33, something like that. And that's when the fire happened and we lost the whole palace. So we've got the foundations now in the park. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, and then and the, the dinosaurs as well that were part of the exhibition that, that were moved say the, the famous Crystal Palace dinosaurs, yeah. uh, you can save them um, by uh, getting on to uh, save the dinosaurs. Um, just Google Crystal Palace dinosaurs. There are loads of ways that we're trying to... Uh, help keep them going. Slash is our biggest spokesperson. Yes, who uh, donated his hat. Yeah, um, yeah, he loves them. Yeah, originally uh, got got some. Uh, uh, yeah, he's got a huge history. Well, also, people, there are some people forget. Slash is from Stoke. Yeah, yeah, he's a British and, guy and first. He yeah. grew up, grew up in Britain, and uh, and often he talks about coming back to holiday at Crystal Palace. That's, That's funny. See. If Slash is looking for a vacation, he yeah. comes to Crystal Palace. I think, therefore, I'm willing to put it on as a wild card. Uh, yeah, I absolutely. would also just want to talk about the fact that it's quite unique in the sense that it's made out of five different boroughs. Crystal mm. Palace is a fictional place. It's Upper Norwood. Yeah. It was only named that, like you, as you correctly say, uh, after the Great Exhibition So, and the World's Fair. So what you have here is a mixture of different communities coming together. You can be on one side of the street and be in one borough. Uh, and on the other side of the street it's another borough unfortunately that means that every day is a bin day um, but the positives of that is um, the sense that it's got a real a real sense of community that I think uh, you and I both kind of talk about the fact that we haven't you know lived in lots of different parts of London never felt a real sense of village community and family yeah, yeah. Um, you can really walk into any pub in Crystal Palace and and someone will probably know you and if they don't they'll strike up a conversation with you yeah yeah so um, I I there was a time um, before I moved here where I did start questioning whether I wanted to leave London because I mean I love London as you'll know because that's literally all we talked about <laughs> on this podcast. Um, uh, but there was a time when I was like, oh, it's such a rat race and it's so busy and exhausting. no one talks to each other. It is exhausting, you know. Going, oh, I'm, you know, coming to the end of my twenties now. Do I want a bit of a slower pace of life? And and then kind of um, you having lived here with your um, girlfriend at the time and then kind of living here on, on your own and me coming to visit you a lot here. Mm. Um, uh, we I just suddenly felt like, oh, this is what I want. This is what I mean. It's, it's close proximity enough to London that you can easily live here and work in, in central London, which you and I have to do for our careers, you know. Uh, but at the same time, it has this totally um, unique enclosed village feel. And I mean, this period of time cements it um more than any other is that you know obviously i've not been able to leave crystal palace since yeah. the 20 whatever of march um and and i've not felt stir crazy at all i've not felt uh, because it's this amazing vibrant lovely village even in in lockdown um mm. and it's it's a it's a lovely place to be locked down so yeah yeah it's yeah a, it's a special place in my heart and yeah. um and yeah. I, know, I, I i yeah. can't imagine living anywhere else in london now I, in my head i'm 
I'm here for the rest of my life. Yeah, it's kind of uh, it, it really is um, a home. Um, so, but if you're if you're looking for somewhere outside in London to spend the day, you can do a lot of different touristy things. You've also got the Horniman Museum down the road in Forest um, Hill. Yeah, in Forest Hill. Uh, there are some lovely restaurants. Um, Joanna's is a kind of fine dining place, but you've also got uh, Urban Orient, which is some of the best Vietnamese food outside of Vietnam, according to uh, the the, yeah. the papers. Myself, I've never been to Vietnam, um, mm-hmm. but yes, yeah, so some really amazing different things and a cultural hub um, and a sense of community that I think uh, any stranger could come and enjoy for the day. Absolutely, lovely. Um, so yeah, so on to my hidden gem. Um, I have gone outside. Of, of London for this one um, because so far all you've had is London and Edinburgh so sorry sorry, sorry. about that <laughs> especially as we know Adam is Scottish as well so I'm not quite sure yeah. this is really what you wanted Adam but um, you can enjoy it anyway here you go um, so yeah but no I have decided to uh, put a little different uh, part of the country so um, as I mentioned I grew up in Bath very much uh, from the southwest my roots are very much from from uh, the southwest although my my mum born in uh in lancashire um but uh but generally a lot of my family uh is is uh, devon largely north devon um almost as far back as you can go it's devon, isn't <laughs> yeah, it? yeah yeah um and uh 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 yeah with uh, the exception i mean my 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 grandfather on my mum's side was a was a londoner and my grandmother was from up north but um most people yeah largely from from Devon and, and the Southwest area. So a uh, big affinity for that area. And actually this place came about because my, uh, my my mum suggested it, which and I hadn't thought of this place for a long time. So I used to love it as a kid. Um, and uh, it's a little village called Avebury. Avebury? Avebury. Um, Avebury has uh, the world's largest stone circle. Oh. So I... Uh, because Why is of- it not more famous? But yeah, because of my previous uh, uh, job that I mentioned earlier, um, tour guiding, I have been to Stonehenge, I would guess, over 300 times. Oh, my um, goodness. Yeah. Um, and I... Maybe that's <laughs> driving this recommendation, right? but I would still say, even if I'd only been there once, I think I would still say, go to Avebury over Stonehenge. It's it's wow. For me, it's a far more interesting experience because number one you can actually get in and amongst the stones obviously with stonehenge since i think it was 78 it's been cordoned off um at stonehenge you can only get so close um uh, unless you pay through the nose to get in there when it's actually officially not open and you can get in in a circle tour but um, very hard to come by um uh so yeah so it's in and amongst the stones they're so big that there are some that are like towering almost over like actual how and there are houses in in and amongst the stones of this village so wow. it's like, it, it encompasses like almost the whole village that's amazing um, yeah it's it's yeah it's it's incredible um time period wise it's probably roughly about the same um as stonehenge so probably built somewhere between 3000 and 2400 bc um so you're looking at about Gosh. yeah um roughly four five thousand years old um so that would predate uh, um, it would predate even the first pyramid in Egypt. Um, That's predates Machu Picchu, Easter Island heads, all that stuff. It's 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 old. So it'd be one of the oldest, um, certainly oldest things you're ever likely to touch. Um, yeah. Being able to go up and actually touch and interact with the stones. Um, so they think rather than Stonehenge being 
a sort of Stonehenge was like a 1500 year continual building project that is aliens wasn't it generation after generation yeah after generation uh um would have um kind of been continuing they think Avebury was probably a series of unfinished different projects all happening kind of in the same area so there's less connection which is why it's less of a formal stone circle in the way that Stonehenge is they're much more kind of sporadic and dotted around um which I think makes it more interesting because Stonehenge is an incredible feat of engineering and you can look at it from that academic way but all the stones are kind of shaped near enough into the same way yeah and things like that each individual stone at Avebury has an individual look and and unique and and it's yeah it's 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 a stunning place it's National Trust uh ran um Still Crazy was filmed in Avebury, the film. Oh, uh, yeah. That would um, kind of make, yeah. make a bit of... I mean... Um, yeah. So it's in... in, in, in yeah. it's, Rock it's bands in love all that, don't they? It's, yeah. It's Barnold it's, Tap. It's in, it's in Wiltshire, near Marlborough. Um, uh, so, yeah, that kind of area. Um, and, um, yeah, I just... Yeah, it's just a really cool place to have a day. And they've got a... Um, uh, you can go around... Um, there's like a, an old kind of house as well, a manor house that you can go around um and and have a look at the stuff in there as well that's housing things um throughout history um yeah it's this really really cool day out um and again people will go to stonehenge way over avebury but i'd say be a maverick go to avebury instead yeah that's a really good wild card and also there's a bit of bit of british history there yeah um and and for those of you know our listeners who uh i mean i know a big part of our democratic or demographic or about the summer solstice yeah um, yeah well <laughs> yeah um, so yeah i just um just to say avebury much like stonehenge would have been built by the neolithic people which means new stone age okay. um so they're not druids basically not druids so never never druids. druids like thousands of years afterwards that's why it's ridiculous complete common um, misconception. It, it was it was some guy i can't remember his name but he was some guy in the late 1700s that wrote that it was druids and that just carried on for far too long until people until things like carbon dating and they went oh no it's a lot older than that Great. Um, but yeah so yeah so it's uh, uh made by neolithic tribes um jury's still out on what these stone circles are meant to represent whether Aliens. Whether it's um, generally, most people now think it's a kind of realm, uh, a sort of memorial to their ancestors, okay. kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but interestingly, with Avebury, they think it has something to do with gender, because the stones are very distinct in terms of one. They 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 tend to be kind of paired, and one very tall and thin, and one quite short, um, mm. and and kind of a little bit wider, and they think that represents male and female. Okay. Um, um back then um so yeah they think there could be something maybe about fertility or something like that maybe about uh, you know union something yeah. so yeah it's um yeah very, very interesting place avery well that's nice as well because i feel it's nice to kind of um end on something that isn't london or theater yeah um, i realized also doing this uh preparing for this podcast a lot of my awareness of the world, uh, geography and my kind of visiting places in london yeah uh, sorry in the uk has been driven by touring mm. so i kind of think of places by their theaters sure like actually i um you know brighton i love but i yeah. have great memories of there on tour as well I, i've been there several times doing different jobs down there and and um enjoying also eastbourne uh wonderful mm. kind of just lovely relaxed yeah. little places but if you're in brighton go get a pint in the mash tun mm-hmm. really really lovely uh city go visit the lanes um, Torquay I mentioned uh, Bath was on my list of places because mm-hmm. I just love it so much 
Um, I know you grew up there, so you're not going to kind of think of it necessarily as well, a, yeah, it's, a destination it's, for it's you. It's my hometown, so it's yeah, diff- but difficult for me to think of it. Like except that. my but parents yeah, it, honeymooned in Bath. You know, that right, was where yeah. their staycation was yeah. uh, before that was even a, yeah. a portmanteau. Um, I'll a bit have mentioned also just one of my favourite cities that I've ever been to anywhere in the world. I would say is is, is Manchester. I just mm. loved Manchester, mm. and I want to go back there. I've only cool spent a week vibe. there. Yeah, but it's um, it's a really nice, uh, great city. Um, with one of my favourite theatres, the Palace, as well. Um, it's a huge place, but feels really intimate. Um, I did have one place uh, that I didn't, I wouldn't recommend going to anyone. Oh right. And I just don't know if that was a bit mean to mention because anyone from there, yeah, will be offended. But well, if you've got reasoning for it, my reasoning is solely based, again, on an experience I had on tour. Right. Stoke. Okay. Despite okay. the fact that Slash is from there, yeah, and it's very famous for you know. Uh, Stoke crockery. Um, I didn't call it that. Stoke crock, crock, you know what I mean. Mm. Um, China and things. Yeah. Uh, at JCB World, I've been there. Right. That was one of the. Um, that's Brilliant. one of the main attractions in Stoke. Brilliant. If you are staycating there, <laughs> JCB, uh, uh, a kind of theme park, which is mm-hmm. just a, just piles of mud. It's about I don't know size of half a football field, just, and you can go and operate a digger if you want. Um, but you know, it's it was not a great. It's not no. a great town. No. Um no. I mean the only the only place in the UK that I that I would actively uh not recommend would be uh Paisley in Scotland. Paisley in Scotland, yeah. yeah. Um that was um, when you were on tour. That was when I was on tour. Uh a long time ago. Um so it may well have changed. So I apologize to anyone from Paisley. Um but it it, it yeah, I just didn't get particularly welcoming vibes from the place yes. um, i had that in leeds actually leeds is a great see, city I, I, I like leeds it, it's leeds. a great city but they um didn't like my yeah. posh rp accent at all <laughs> so i think that says um, more about me than them yes perhaps uh glasgow i absolutely oh adore. yeah that's a great show yeah glasgow's a great city um, socky hall street yeah have fun i um i really like i really like norwich Norwich is a lovely town. I don't think I've ever been to really, Norwich. Really, yeah, Norwich is a lovely town. I feel um, like I'd like it because I'm such a Partridge fan. Yeah. <laughs> no, it is. It's really cool. It's 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 a really great place. Really nice uh, buzzing kind of nightlife. And yeah, really like Norwich. Um, I used to love Cardiff as a kid. I used to go to Cardiff all the time. My dad on I've business I've only been to Cardiff stuff. once, but I re- it's very beautiful. I used to love Cardiff. Um, yeah. Um, it's, I don't know if this counts as London or not, but um, I just want to give a shout out to Kingston. Because I think Kingston's beautiful. Kingston upon Thames. Yeah, I yeah. I think on a summer's day, sitting out in the the Browns restaurant that's yeah. on the river, just beautiful. Yeah, we we've whiled away at some hours yeah. there before a show. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Really, yeah, it is very relaxing. Um, and also a uh, really cool old magistrates court there, mm. which you can visit. It's, it's some of it's still functioning, but the main magistrates court. I know because I did some filming there, right. and it's used in loads and loads of movies. Right. Um, and I always said, claim to fame is that I was locked in the same jail cell that Heath Ledger was in The Dark Knight. Because <laughs> all the court scenes or the jail scenes, sure, are still yeah. as they like they're quite old, like a hundred years old. Yeah. So uh, it's all like iron bars and shackles yeah. and stuff. It's really cool. Um, um, is there is there anywhere uh, in the UK that you haven't been that you really want to go to? Oh, see, I was thinking about this. There, there's oh, so I. Oh, in the UK. No, mm. I've got I've got one in, in, in the world that I want to be really want to go to that's never been to. Right. Which is Berlin. 
Oh yeah, no, me too. I really want to go to Berlin. And, uh, Everyone who's been yeah, says I get that it. I'll love it all the time. It's like, you as well? Yeah, people are like, why haven't you been to Berlin? Because yeah. you would love it. Like, I think I might go and spend some time in Berlin. Yeah, um, yeah. a lot of the music I like happens to be yeah. recorded in Berlin. Yeah. I'm like, really? Um, and yeah, it just sounds like an awesome place. Now, you're you're a big fan of the band Berlin, aren't you? Yeah, the band Berlin. I'm, yeah. yeah, I'm a big yeah. yeah. Um, I. In anywhere in the UK that I haven't been that I'd love to go, gosh, I've got a few places. If you go want on. to have a think about it, and I'll kick off. Um, uh, Colchester. I I've, I've been to Colchester. I've heard because it's the oldest town in England. I it think. is the um, oldest town in England. I would really like to go there because it looks really cool. Um, uh, they do amazing oysters apparently. Right, Colchester yeah. oysters. Um, yeah. and like seafood there is really yeah. amazing. Um, um oh, it's actually, beautiful. That's a good point. Speaking of um, an- another shout out of somewhere that I want to be. I mean, it's not really a specific place, but the Kent coast. The Kent coast is stunning. Take a drive down there. Um, we filmed a trailer for a show we did uh, the based on The Little Mermaid um, for that show. And that was a part of Kent coast called Reculver Bay. Um, and it's beautiful. It's old kind of remains of a castle there. And yeah, it's absolutely stunning. That's um, a good point. If, so uh, yeah, driving, have, take a, a drive down the Kent coast. There's so many castles, so many different castles everywhere. Every oh, town I, I, I thought of it. I thought of it. Um, mm. Uh, first of all, just say, yeah, Kent Coast, Faversham's a really good area mm-hmm. as well if you want to get mm-hmm. on that beach. And there are loads of lovely little market towns. Yeah. Um, but the the city the city I love would love to go to in the UK, and I still don't know why I haven't, is York. That was my other one I was going to say. Everyone York. talks about how beautiful it is. Yeah, yeah, and York's old, and that was walled city. Yeah. And I, yeah, it sounds like a great place. Yeah. But York um, never yeah. went, never been. Um, and yeah, and for me, the other place is Port Marion in Wales. Because oh. it just looks utterly mad. It's where they filmed The Prisoner. And it's like all these buildings of completely weird and wonderful styles. Like oh. there's like like kind of East Asian looking buildings mixed with Italian villa looking. But like it's it's it, yeah. Like look up Port Marion and have a look at what it because it's just mad. The architecture is crazy. Oh, um, brilliant. So yeah, I'd love to go there as well. Um, I had one more question for you. Yeah. What's the favourite city that you've been to that's not in the UK but you have to have been there? Okay. So like we, my we top together city in the we've world. we've been to quite a few different places. Yeah. My my favorite um um my favorite city in the well I'll I'll give you I'll give you my top three. Mm-hmm. Give me my top three. Uh my third favorite city in the world uh is Kyoto in Japan. Yeah. Um it is it is beautiful. Um it's it's like wandering into an old uh you know uh, Japanese illustration. Um it's just wow. absolutely authentic uh japanese history and culture and yeah it's just beautiful small market line streets and and beautiful trees beautiful temples everywhere um and it's just yeah it's just so steeped in history and it's not been that kind of touched by modern japan um whereas larger places like osaka and tokyo have um so and kyoto i believe used to be the original capital before tokyo um it was the first capital of japan i think um but yeah stunning um uh, my second favorite would be paris um again um, yeah my dad used to do a lot of work there so i paris is probably the city i've been to most anywhere outside of the uk mm. um i've lost count of how many times um so paris is a huge part of my heart in in paris and it's outside of crystal palace it's somewhere where i've always in my life wanted to live uh for some point in fact i know the exact street I want to live on which is called rue velasquez it's just off the park monceau which is my favorite park in the world um uh just kind of northwest of the arc de triomphe um and uh yeah uh, it's it's a beautiful 
beautiful city. Um, uh, but my favourite place in the whole world, without a shadow of doubt, and it has been since I went there a decade ago, and I've done a fair amount of travelling since then, and nowhere's overtaken it. Um, and that is New Orleans. Ah, New, New Orleans. Orleans. New Orleans is, uh, I it's you, yeah, you can't describe it. Um, I think one of the reasons I love it so much is that I I'm huge fan of uh um uh huge fan of because i'm a huge fan of american culture and i am in a lot of ways yeah. there's a lot of american culture that i don't necessarily agree with but um there's big parts of american culture that i love uh um uh you know we we lived in texas for a year and it was one of the best years of my life um and uh i love 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 french culture as well so it's like a meeting of those two things and you have the caribbean uh influence as well in there with all the creole stuff um it's, it's this melting pot of very different cultures uh all working in harmony together um i mean yeah the the french quarter of of new orleans bourbon street is just the best street in the world but hands down there's no better street it's this street of about the, maybe 200 bars every single street is is a bar every single bar um every single place on that street is bar rather every single bar has live music playing Phenomenal. and every single live band is a different genre of music so it's like you're walking down the street and you've got like a string quartet and then there's a blues band and then there's a pop act and there's yeah. a heavy metal band and you go, literally everywhere you go it's live music uh, and it's just yeah it's stunning absolutely stunning city. that's santa oh yeah i'd love to love i'd to love go to go, to go back yeah yeah i'd love to do a lot of america that i haven't i've only ever done texas um mm. so i'd love to go and see new york city la uh new orleans nashville la's um, la's funny la is i i didn't fall in love with it as much as i wanted to um mm. i much preferred san francisco I yeah i'd see i yeah. yeah san francisco another th i think actually one of the famous one of the best places i've been and this is weird because i didn't do half the things i wanted to do while i was there but i really really loved austin in texas oh austin's up there in my favorite spent a good Aust week there Austin's and probably I fourth in my best i mean yeah austin is yeah, I just think I think that's probably my favourite place that I've been to outside of the UK. Just in yeah. terms of going, I could really spend a lot of time here mm -hmm. and really explore it. Whereas yeah. other places, I could talk about Daegun, South Korea, which is incredible, like the hospitality, the mm -hmm. culture, the politeness of people, the you know wonderful nightlife out there, audiences, incredible out there on a show. So I have lots of fond memories, mm -hmm. but I didn't really see that much of the city apart yeah. from nightlife and and yeah. and the, and the work. So I don't think it's really, really fair to kind of set, to judge it. But I think Austin's somewhere I'd like to go back mm -hmm. and spend some real time because um, that, yeah. I have lots of fun memories of that. The Spider um, Cafe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Austin, oh, yeah. Sixth Street, awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, just the last little place I just want to mention whilst we're on kind of global thing mm. is uh, uh, Cinque Terre, um, just in Tuscany, which is oh, kind of, yeah. um, this kind of series of five uh, islands. Um, uh and it's they are all each unique but also quite similar it, it, it almost i mean i've never been there this place is on my bucket list of places to go but it feels like what i imagine havana to be like like it uh, almost right. feels cuban wow. or it almost feels like this kind of these small caribbean islands but it's just off the coast of italy i mean it's beautiful like it's probably the most aesthetically beautiful place i've ever seen like i just stunned when you because and you can only get there by ferry so it's really hard to get to and they're these five interconnected little little islands um with little bars and it's all ramshackle and they're all kind of built onto these kind of face of cliffs so it's all ramshackle <laughs> up and it, oh it, yeah Cinque Terre is is beautiful um yeah so if you want to give a shout out to there as well great so i don't know if this is what you wanted adam um but we've talked about 
the place you're from, Scotland, <laughs> yeah. and the place where you spent most of your life, London. Um, so I don't know if that's uh, taught you about more places that you haven't <laughs> been to. Um, but I'd be interested, you know, if you if you want, if anyone listening at home and you think, oh, now I now you've probably thought of loads of cool little places, little hidden gems, or um, or areas that you think don't get enough credit. Write in, let us know, and we'll we'll give you a shout out the next yeah. uh, podcast and. Um, always uh, looking to interact with you as much as possible. So uh, let us know what you think we've missed off the list. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so um, as always, we are still accepting uh, patrons, uh, uh, patron requests. So yeah, the link will be at the bottom. Um, as I say, we'll put the links to some of the specific places we've mentioned um, as well. So do give them some support once we are able to and it's safe and healthy to uh of course um so in the meantime you can find us on twitter at macabre podcaster you can get in touch with us uh, via email podcaster macabre at gmail.com you can find us on facebook fb.me forward slash podcaster macabre and you can of course like share subscribe and listen on spotify google play itunes wherever you get your podcasts we will be back on sunday looking at the jonathan creek podcast delving into uh, episodes outside of the series and next week uh next wednesday we'll be back with another patreon as well absolutely i think we're back on to crime traveler crime traveler oh that'd be nice to uh i got told off for um criticizing it last time yeah there was a very angry person on twitter So, so i'll have to give it an extra detailed view absolutely episodes three and four of crime traveler coming at you next thursday So, in the meantime, I've been David Shopland. And I've been Callum Hughes. Uh, Have a great week. Bye. Bye.